0: Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to have my friend Todd Herman on the show for the second time, first time in San Diego, almost, uh, I guess, 17, 18 months ago. Uh, We met through a mutual friend, and you know when you meet someone and you start a conversation, you begin to engage, and you kind of say to yourself, like, either no, yes, or extreme yes. Todd was an extreme yes, right? Just. Everything about his story, his background, his openness, his transparency, also his intellect and his ability to cut like a freaking knife through the noise and the BS to help people be more productive. For me, just, you know, instant fast friends and, and just his message is such a gift. Um, you probably by now read his book, The Alter Ego, an insanely great book packed with usable hacks to really unlock your potential. And when I say like your potential, I'm really saying to you, it's about getting over the fear and the resistance to make the phone call, to start the new business, to, you know, create the new opportunity, to write the book, to, to go on your biggest pitch that's way outside of your financial comfort zone and completely dominated. Like that's what the alter ego is all about. And that's what Todd Herman is all about. So first and foremost, man, I just want to say what's up and welcome.
1: Brother. It's good to be back for round two.
0: For sure, man. So listen, I actually wrote down something. And I, I, I know you see I've got my phone here because I am going to share live because uh, I want people to get this before the podcast goes out in the next couple of days. Um, I actually wrote down for you, Todd, the world's a wee bit nutty right now. You've got a health pandemic we're still in the middle of. You've got a lot of economic uncertainty right now. You've got protests for social injustice, which I'm a fan of. And guess what? You also got an election coming up that is freaking people out. The crazy one and a half percent on the right and the crazy one and a half percent on the left, completely trying to dominate everybody's mind space. And, and I just keep going back to the same thing. Like, you know, you, you did us, you did a CEO study that has become a talk beyond the alter ego. So I want to say to you, like with all of this, dare I say madness happening right now. What is this state like? What do we do? What are the highest performing athletes who you work with, CEOs who you work with, entrepreneurs who you work with? What's sort of the coaching and advice you're giving them to like, once again, Todd Herman style, whack, like cut through the noise and help people just move forward powerfully.
1: Yeah. And it, well, I think the one thing that you need to add to that list is the conspiracy theories that are out there as well. Right. Oh yeah. Thank right? you. Thank and, you. um, and so, you know, for, 22 years. I've operated between the six inches of people's ears. And, um, a lot of the stuff that I see is very frustrating because I, 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 I can see people accepting frames, ideas, beliefs that are not going to serve them from a mental health, emotional health, and then ultimately from a physical health, which is this thing, things that you go and activate and go and do perspective. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm gifted with dyslexia and, and uh, I say gifted with it because it allows me to uh, think in pictures and shapes in my head. I'm very much a models person. You mentioned the alter ego. Alter ego is, yeah. is simply just a mental model. Um, in fact, that's what its root term means. Is actually it's a model um, of how you want to see yourself in the future. And uh, and so yeah, you'd reference the CEO study. And I'm doing. We have 92 CEOs in this study around the world, um, ranging in uh, revenue between 1.8 and. Uh, 1.8 million and 1.1 billion dollars in total revenue. So big span, um, but the the thing that's been very obvious. There's this amazing term that was created by the U.S. military in 1986 called VUCA. Okay, and I want everyone to. This is exactly
0: why I'm live right now on Instagram. I wanted everybody to hear this.
1: Write this down. It is such a powerful framework for you to help to operate in. VUCA times. So, uh, you know, when you're planning to go out onto the battlefield in war, um, you can plan all you want, but there's so many unexpected things that are going to happen, right? And life can be a battlefield as well. Sports, this is the same thing I talk to athletes about. How can we, what does mental toughness actually look like? Well, VUCA, VUCA stands for, it's an acronym. So the V stands for volatility. And that means the rate of change, okay? So volatility is the rate of change that you're experiencing. Uncertainty is the, is the lack of clarity about the present. You're unclear about the present. That's uncertainty. When you're feeling uncertain, that's because you're just unclear about what's happening in the present. Um, the C stands for complexity. And complexity is that there's multiple key decision factors. You know, complexity adds risk to things. Um, and then the A stands for ambiguity which is the lack of clarity about the meaning of an event. So when you think, go back to some of those things that you had named off. When you go to conspiracy theory stuff, there's so much ambiguity that people are just trying to find a thread in there that weaves together because psychologically it's mind screwing them right now. Okay. And when you understand human nature, human behavior, some of these things that you see people falling into, like I've got some very good friends who I love dearly. Who are kind of on this conspiracy theory train, and um, my wife and I have these discussions about it. I'm like, Valerie, I want to excuse away a year and a half's worth of behavior amongst a lot of friends right now. I'm putting them because it'd be very easy in some ways to just say I can't be friends with this person. Yeah, but human nature like i mean they're not horrible human beings it's they're they're trying to make sense of it in the best way that they know how and just because i know mental models doesn't mean that i'm a better human being you know maybe it's allowed me to operate in a different way but i'm not going to poo poo them but vuca is you know it's truly the experience that people are going through and some people are handling it well and some people aren't handling it well
0: now so so todd hold on because when you look at vuca And understanding that volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity. I think everybody understands what those words mean. How do we use it? How do we, and I know you're going to talk about that, but I want to just stress like for the person watching right now or listening right now, it's we're in that state. What do we do to break through it all?
1: Yeah. And so that brings up the next point. So, um, so I looked at this, I, when I found this term, I was like, okay, great, but I'm a performance guy. Like if there's one thing that I want to hang my hat on at the end of my life is that I gave people real tools to actually lead and live a better life, not ideas that sound great. But then when you get them on the field to play, they just break. Um, and so there's another model that runs counter to this one and it's called calm C a L M. And so what do people need? Like, let's say you're leading your real estate office or you're leading your family right now. Um, what do the people in your family or your friends or your business or your clients and customers need? Well, this is the one thing that you've done brilliant at um, the C stands for clarity people need because of the nature of the uncertainty and the ambiguity. How can you help them lift the fog and get just a little more clear now in normal times, people talk about having a one-year, three-year, five-year vision. I've actually never been a big fan of that anyway, because when I've spoken to really big leaders, a lot of them run on very short track type goal achievement, project achievement. And then when you stack it all together, people in retrospect go, oh yeah, it's because I had this phenomenal vision. But really in the practical application of how they operate, it's actually really smart short-term planning and, and project uh, creation. So in, in today's time, I'm not looking to get people clear in the next year. What can I get them clear about in the next two weeks, week, day, even?
0: So short, like short-term achievable goals eliminates the fog because now I'm certain about, look, I just need to have 10 conversations a day, book three appointments, take one listing, right? Versus how do I solve social injustice? How do, you know, you know, Trump is an alien, right? Like say he's a Russian spy, right? Like all the stuff, right?
1: Sure. Or it's like, is, well, what's is, my business going to look like in six months? Yeah. Don't concern yourself with it. Cause here's yeah. what I know. Yeah. If you're someone who takes care of you, you know, with being responsible with yourself, the version of you that's going to show up in six months is going to be readily prepared for whatever's going to be waiting for you. That's how I operate. Yeah. I operate from the, give me anything. I don't yeah. care. Just yeah. feed it to me. Yeah. I am hungry for volatility. Yeah. Like, yes. and it's that, it's when you own this shit, It doesn't own you anymore and so it's like seriously this is all you've got because i've got way more in my tank it's like you're fighting the unbeatable fight
0: yeah you're fighting something you can't even you can't even wrap your hand so so all my friends that are listening or watching whether you're live or with us on instagram or wherever you are you've heard me talk about data versus drama right and i say you know todd look at the data every day look at look inside what you know the multiple listing service to see what transactions are are moving look at showing time look at all these different data points and you and I both know right brain, emotion, need to have it, sensation. It's the reason I buy the house. It's the reason we're excited about the place in Kelowna. The left brain then says, I can afford it. This is how we're going to do it. This is how I'm going to make the move. This is how I'm going to do my life transition. You need to have both. But if you're stuck in the right brain, you don't have clarity. You have nothing but uncertainty.
1: Yes. and, and Am I, am I you on just, the same page? It, totally. And what you just said is going to you just made my point basically at the end of this whole thing, um, uh, which I'll wrap up. So clarity is help people get clarity, help them to make sense of it all. How yeah. do I do it? And what's one of the best ways it's in, in the world of like when you take ambiguous things, if you can put things into circles, triangles, and squares for people, normally when I'm drawing out this whole VUCA thing, I'm using an X, Y graph, but like shaping something for people is yeah. really powerful. Um, Okay, so now we get clarity for them, and clarity can also just be, "Hey, do these five things today. Tomorrow we're gonna tackle tomorrow. Today, let's take care of your today. All right. So there's that. The A stands for assurance. Assurance. People need reassurance right now, and what's because the the amazing thing about this current time that we're in is it's happening to everybody. Yes, we're all on the same boat, right? Some people think it's some people are at one end of the boat and it's the be- it's the part of the boat that's like sinking into the ocean and there's other people are at the top of the boat and they're like look at this we're rising into the sky right yeah. and and so it, people can choose at which end of the boat they want to be on and it doesn't mean that the boat is sinking because the boat's still we're still going to be here six yeah. months from now but yeah. the assurance is that's why i don't know about you but inside of my group's The amount of activity that happened once March hit just went way up because people came in, they were very unclear about what they should be doing. They came in and and the first thing they do is they go, "Ah, it's not just happening to me, right? They need reassurance right now that, um, you know, it's not just them. It's an everybody thing right now. Yeah. Um, reassure them that it's going to be okay. And so that's why the people, I've seen people losing right now in business because they become hyper emotional. Yes. They used to be a great leader in their space, yes. became hyper emotional. They went into the conspiracy theory world. They went into the hating of Trump or hating of you know, the left or whatever. And they're losing people because yeah. the need is people are looking for a prudential rock right now. Yes. They are looking for someone and something to anchor to. So you can be that person. Think, speak more logically, speak more clearly, speak more calmly, right? These are all actions that you can be doing, even if you're out on a listing. If you're the realtor who's like normally super excited, I'm not saying to lose that. But at the same time, don't forget that the world that these people are going back into is volatile. And if your energy is just amped up when their energy inside is amped up already, that's why you can get these mismatches yeah that happened okay so the th- the third 100%. one is leadership people need leadership right now okay and so you know this isn't this is why i don't fault people who are reacting in some sort of a negative way maybe they haven't invested 30 years of their lives like we have at developing ourselves every single day they haven't picked up the books they haven't reached out to people they haven't run a podcast they yeah. they so, people need leadership from someone that going back to the potential rock idea. How can you lead them? You lead them in this time by being very calm, by being very centered, by being very reasoned and measured. Um, conversely, like I said before, friends that have lost, I think, in their marketplace by being hyper emotional, I've seen people come out of nowhere who had no audience yep. that started publishing amazing stuff on LinkedIn and elsewhere, all of a sudden gather hundreds of thousands of people in their yes. tribe in no time flat it yeah. even happened to me um because i was one of the first people that had the coronavirus in america all of the messaging at the end of february beginning of march was that you know people are dying yeah. the hospitals in new york city are overwhelmed i live in new york city i saw it all happening but i was sitting there going yeah i started with the worst flu of my life and then it settled into my lungs lasted 28 days but i was working you know i wasn't in a hospital bed yeah. and so i pinged a friend in media and said hey i think this is a story that needs to get out there and it wasn't going to benefit me um, in, you know in my business but i was like this is just as a caretaker to i think the world and we all should be um and and that had i think it's up to like 12 million shares it happened yeah. in three weeks for yeah, like the first two weeks of march i was the number one ranked thing on google for um coronavirus patient because yeah. people latched on go thank i had so many thank you messages yeah. but that's leadership like how can you really bring more calm to people
0: And I want to stress on that because we, you know, all my friends know, you know, early in March, because we were watching, you know, as you were like, you know, because of my former COO who was, you know, born and raised in Beijing. So we were talking about it in December, January, February, and then watching it hit Italy and then hitting, you know, hitting us in the U S we kept saying the great leaders talk about things as they are not as you want it to be not worse than it is just talk about what is, and that's you know, that's the sort of neutralizer, if you will, right. Don't make it worse. Don't make it better. Just keep it as it is. So I love that one. What's the, uh, what's the M
1: the M stands for movement. Yeah. Um, the people who are really struggling right now are people who are caught on the couch who are just sitting there. They're watching the real estate happen around them and they're not getting involved because why, um, well, I'm normally in the luxury marketplace and maybe that marketplace isn't moving right now but there's a massive movement happening over on the, um, the lower end side. And, you know, you're so concerned about your brand or whatever, but it's like the people, again, in this, in this study for the 92 CEOs, the people are, who are winning are the ones who have pivoted their products, the delivery of some of those products and services. Some of them have shifted their business model entirely, um, to serve in a different way. So movement is key. So, so think about that for yourself. Are you taking action? each day, simple actions, getting clear about what needs to happen today. Don't think three weeks out into the future. Don't do that to yourself. So much is going to be happening. We're still going to be living through super volatile times um, and uncertainty going because we're in such a you know toxic election year right now. And then how can you create movement for other people? How can you give them action steps for other people? What can you give people that's tactically good? Like, that's why I'm excited about the book that you've got coming out. Um, And you and I jammed on the name when we had yourself and me and and, and and near a yell. Another brilliant author. We're we're jamming together in New York back in um, February on, on all this. And so Um, movement, how can you create action for people, inspire people to take action even, but give people like simple steps. Don't, don't talk about big strategy right now. Talk about tactically. This is what we can do. Um, so, you know, that is the attitude right now.
0: I want to just throw this out there. Like my wife is, she, when COVID hit, I think she's done four health related challenges in her tribe since COVID, right? So like the, the newest one now is, do you know that song? Uh, it's, and I'm going to totally screw this up. It's like, bring Sally up, bring Sally down. Have you seen that with the push-ups, right? So you go, bring Sally up and you go up, bring Sally down. And she's like, I'm just trying to keep people like doing one thing every day physically, whether it's a, you know, Hey, let's see who can do the longest plank. And she started at two and now she's at like five minutes and I'm like, five minutes. Like, I don't have five minutes to do a plank, which is just not true. I just couldn't do a five minute plank, but you know what I mean? Like, so I'm, I'm with you. Like I want the listener to think it's not just, can I get people to buy and sell real estate? It's, can you challenge your tribe to just do one thing? Let's, let's all clean out our garages this weekend. Let's all do uh, you know, a walk next weekend. It's getting people in action, in motion, right? Like Deepak Chopra a million years ago, when I interviewed him, he's like, it's, it's, you know, if you, if you move, you get the mind moving. Also, if you're just sitting there, your mind just, it's going to get stuck in the muck. It's going to get stuck in the, in the rut. So VUCA and calm, any closing thoughts on that? Cause you know, I want to, I want to dig deep into the 90 day year. I want to go into the alter ego, but I'm going to, I'm going to sign up on our friends on Instagram, closing thoughts on this before I kill it on Instagram.
1: Yeah, I mean, just don't forget how much control you have over the providence of your own life. You know, um, there's a lot of stuff that's completely uncontrollable that's out there. But if you truly do take on the attitude of, is that all you've got? Is that all you've got? Like, give it to me. Some of us have been through some extraordinarily tough things in our life, but still you're here. You know, tough times breed capabilities, and uh, which is the title of my upcoming book. Um, and capabilities is CAPE, c a p e dash abilities. Ooh, your heroic, yeah. the heroic yeah. version of you is born in the fires of hell going through really hard times. And so there are people right now that are being forged in these tough times. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see who comes out the other side and, uh, and same thing on your community and, and, and pig me and, and tag me on social media with, you know, whatever your favorite takeaway was from our conversation today.
0: Love it. The heroic version of you is born in hell in tough times
1: in struggle in peril absolutely you got to if you if you all if you constantly avoid the fires you're never going to find out just what you're forged with
0: i can hear david goggin's like screaming at me right now just keep running man keep running <laughs> right yeah all right so really fast for all my friends that are watching live on instagram and if you're listening to the podcast later i still got love for you but just we're just testing something here i have 5 copies of todds Children's book, which I freaking love. I bought so many of them. I've given them out to everybody I love, uh, called My Super Me for Kids, right? And I've got five copies of the Alter Ego, putting it around here on my Instagram. So here's my challenge for you. I want you to follow Todd. I want you to tag me right here live uh with four people you know that you think I don't know. Four people that would dig this message, four people that if they got this, they'd be like, Oh, you know, I was new. I love Sandy, but now she's tagged me into this. And boy, that was a really interesting message. I've never met Todd her before. I've never met Tom Ferry. So we're gonna do the first 10 people that do it. I'm sending you either a kid's book or the alter ego book. So I'm signing off from Instagram. You guys got to do it now. We'll see you in a bit. So, so Todd, back to the regular podcast. So I want to talk alter ego first, you know, having spent time with you, having, you know, read this book, listened to multiple podcasts on it. Um, I'd like you to explain for the people that are maybe new to it, the, what was the, what was the origin of the alter ego? Maybe for the person that doesn't know your work. And then I want to know kind of alter ego 2.0. What are the four things I have to do? And then what are the hacks you've learned since releasing this to the world and having a lot of people use your work?
1: Yeah, so yeah, we had that conversation literally the day before. So we talked on Monday, February fourth, yeah. two thousand nineteen, um, in San Diego, right after your event, and the book came out the following day. So the origin of the alter ego. Well, the concept itself, I didn't create it and invent it. Um, it was first voiced by Cicero, the Roman statesman and philosopher, back in uh, forty four B.C. in a letter to a friend. In a letter to a friend about his about basically being successful in life and uh, the alter egos root means the other I or trusted friend within. Okay. Mm -hmm. Really, 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 really um, important part to anchor that understanding of what the alter ego really is. Say it again. Other I or trusted friend within. Now you and I both know, and I mean, you and I are the benefits of this. I mean, I don't think of you as like a good friend or a great friend you're my brother like we're just we're, we're locked at the hips for life we we kind of had that connection 29 minutes into our podcast yeah. um yeah. same experience that you had so um we all know the value of having amazing mentors friends contacts network around us right mm-hmm. to to date ourselves our rolodex yes. <laughs> um yeah. and and yet people forget about the importance of that between the six inches of our own ears. Most of us have what I call in the book, the merry-go-round effect conversation. Yeah. We're just going around and around with ourselves. And a lot of times it just spirals down into doubt, beating ourselves up or whatever. The powerful part about this model, because the alter ego is a mental model that we can use is that now um, in the book, the way that I wrote it was sort of following along in the path of one of my heroes, uh, joseph campbell and the hero's journey and that inside of us if we think that there's this character that's built to play there because human beings are built with story we add narrative and story to everything that's what people are doing in the current world that we're in right right? we're adding meaning to things that it might not even be there most of the time it's not even there yeah but that's how we make sense of it but in a story there's the hero or the protagonist and then there's the villain or the uh uh antagonist so Anytime I hear the voice tell me that ah, now's not the right time, oh, are you, do you think you're really ready for it? Uh, you've never really done that before though, or um, shouldn't you go and learn more about this before you go and take that action, or whatever? That's just, I know that's just the antagonist who really isn't even, it's like the little evil part of me, but the, it's not evil in that they're an evil person, it's that they're trying to, they are scared shitless of change. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now on the other side, there's the hero within, and that's like the core part of you that has this like possibility, um, that you get frustrated with at the end of your day. Cause you didn't get it out of you. Right. When you, I call it the pillow effect. Yeah. Everybody's pillow. It's the most honest place you'll ever be in your day. Because when you put your head on your pillow at night, that's when you start to either you know, encourage and cheer yourself on for doing the hard things, even if they didn't work out for you, but you're like, you know what? I finally made that call. Right. Or the other side of that pillow is beating yourself up because you didn't take the actions on your to-do list that were really, really important that day. And instead you filled your day up with a bunch of busy work that was safe. Okay. So, um, you know, like this, so this idea of the alter ego was born getting back to your original question out of once I started working with better and better, higher quality professional Olympic athletes, this consistent theme started showing up that all of them would talk about having another persona, another identity that they would step into when they got into the pool, when they got onto the ski hill or the slopes, or when they got onto the tennis court. Um, and for me, I was like, wait a second. I did the exact same thing when I played high school and college football, or when I was, I was a nationally ranking badminton player, Todd didn't go onto the court. I had another identity that went out of that court and it was such a powerful frame for myself because in my head, highly competitive person. I was like, you don't even know who you're playing against right now, because on the football field, my alter ego was a, almost like a transformer type one. It was Walter Payton, Ronnie Lott and a tribe of five native American warriors led by Geronimo. The name I gave my alter ego was Geronimo. And so I was a 159-pound, six-foot-tall, you know, scrawny kid on the football field. But, you know –
0: But hitting guys – hitting guys like you were 260 and, you know,
1: 6'4". 100%. And this isn't me, like, waxing philosophically about my past. I broke two helmets on the top of the uh, crown of them in half in one game. Yeah. By by hitting guys. And it was because – because at the end of the game, I'd be like, I can't believe I did that. And that's because I didn't do it. It was this – it was the, it was the energy that comes from all of this, all of these seven in my own mind channeling through me. And, uh, and it was so, powerful and it got so, me, got me past a lot of my insecurities that I had.
0: Yeah. I mean, everyone listening right now knows the story of like, you know, Sasha fears, Beyonce, right. Um, you know, I look at, I look at you know myself, like, I think, I think we need to talk about the single self theory versus the multi self theory. So people get like, you know there there was a time in my life when i felt or believed that who tom ferry was on stage needed to be the same person ready in the bedroom raising my children with my friends on the golf course in the gym running the company and and it was completely insane right like like we have these different personas, right? The the essence of who we are is always there. I want to be very clear. Like it's not like your values shift and you suddenly go from, you know, this to that, but you can create this. So give them some insight on single self versus multi-self. And then let's go through the four pieces so everybody can do more of it.
1: Well I mean to to just sort of parrot off of what you just said, it's in each of those instances where it's when you're on stage and when you're yeah. the power of this is you Is you answering the question, not someone else telling you, you answering the question of who do I want to be here? Exactly. Whereas most self-help or even philosophical texts have sort of led people to believe that there's this one you and there isn't a one you. And and that's because human beings, we live in context to the roles that we play in the situations that we're put into. So getting to your point, for the longest time, the world of psychology, one of their five main pillars that they built a lot of their... Um, philosophies off of was single self theory, which went like this, that human beings who acted as one single self in all the areas of their life had the, had the best mental health. Now, let's just sort of put that onto the field of play of practicality. Yeah, I, here I am, I'm working with pro athletes, Olympic athletes, public figures and leaders. You work with a lot of people that are, and you've got a lot of friends who have big they're playing big at life too yes now when my football player or actor comes off the field or stage are they different absolutely and here's the question i'll ask people is have you ever met someone who's a public figure that when you met them you were like oh they're a lot different in real life than i thought that they would be of course right there that shows you that this idea of single self breaks under the weight of pressure of reality Okay. Yes. So when I heard, cause again, here I am 1997, when I started my business, I'm reading as much about, you know, behavioral psychology, behavioral economics, even, which probably has some of the most influential stuff for me on how to work with people, um, you know, biology, all this, you know, human dynamics essentially. And I heard come across a single cell thing. and I'm like, well, that's crap. I'm a farm and ranch kid, you know, and um, we've got a saying on the farm that says, uh, well, that dog won't hunt. And sometimes you come across ideas that dog won't hunt. Like yeah. that idea just doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. So multiple self theory in about 2008, the entire world of psychology shifted. Multiple self theory is, is the idea that human beings have many selves, many sides of themselves that they bring out into the world based on the role that they're playing. Mom, salesperson, CEO, like even inside your business, you've got you're, you're Friend,
0: the lover. You're,
1: yeah. All those things. Um, and so the people who have and see themselves having many sides of themselves, I mean, just the cascading effect of what that does to you psychologically, no longer do you get trapped by many of the ideas that are kind of weighing on you, where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm being inauthentic, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. in which role are you talking about? I know that when I beat myself up with my kids, when I know I'm being inauthentic with them, is when I know I can do more for them, but I didn't. Some other role that I have, you know, because I have an intense personality when I'm coaching people. I'm a challenger personality type. And, and that's because I work with big personalities. Or when I'm competing, it's, it's intense. But I don't need to bring that intensity with my kids. And so um, when many, multiple selves, it's been now proven as well that people who see themselves in many sides of themselves have the highest level of mental health. So lowest rates of depression, anxiety and stress disorders, just an overall quality mental health. And um, now why is this so important? Why do I talk about this in the book? And that's because when you're pursuing a new role in life, when you're trying to break through old habits and behaviors or you're pursuing something that's challenging, I care about speed how fast can I get you through that sort of inertia phase that's going to keep you down. And the fastest way is to anchor you to a mental model in your mind of an alter ego of someone or something that you admire or like, or aspire to morph into. And when you anchor yourself to that alter ego, it allows you to unshackle from your old past narrative about what you think you can and cannot do or unshackle from traumas that might be there. Of what you think you can and cannot do and tap into the qualities the attributes of something that you know is within you and you're simply using a model of someone and something else kobe bryant your friend did that with the black mamba when he was going through challenging yep. times right yep. he felt like his world was crashing around him that he he was losing what he said his edge was really when I chatted with him, it was like, it was the identity. He was losing his identity of what he thought he was on the court. And he saw kill bill, the movie. And there's one scene with the black Mamba and boom, that's when it said. He's like, that's what I'm going to take out of the court. Yeah. Cause what do black Mamas do? Well, they sure as hell don't care about what everyone else is thinking about them. Right. Right. The only strike that's it. And that's what helped him get through I got, that I got, phase. I got
0: truth bumps as you're saying that story. Cause I had many dialogues with them about that. So yeah, 1,000%. So so how do they create it? How do they, like, everyone listening right now is like, okay, like, you know, like the, the left brain logic is saying, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. But I think we almost need to move into the, like the quasi right brain with sort of the, here's the four points. And then here's sort of the fun of it. Because what I love about your work, even when we did this in New York City with our team plus clients, right. And, you know, props, which I don't want to give too many of the points away you you could see them like, yeah. And then when you spoke in January at the elite and watching people send me photos afterwards in full blown costume, making phone calls and crushing it, I'm giving some of it away here, but like, I want to get into that stuff. So their brain's like, yeah. And then we still got to get through the 90 day year.
1: Well, listen, one of my favorite, so I've done so many speeches this last, you know, year on year and a half on the book and, you know, tons of podcasts and media and, you know, on the today show and CBS sports and stuff, but still, of course, you always have to Trump everybody, your event. I'm speaking at elite in January. Um, and one of the most polished professional looking dudes walks up to me and this is where there's a crowd we're doing. You and I are both doing doing some Q and a with people and he opens up his breast jacket of his coat and he pulls out Dumbledore's magic wand. wand.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: And, and it's just even looking at the faces of the people around, because he was a very, very successful guy. And what I love about this is, and especially circumstances like that is the people that are maybe just starting out, they have this perception of professionalism and stoicism that they think they have to act through that everyone else that's at the professional level is doing. And yet, once you get up, up into this event horizon, this new category of sort of performance, you see that a big quality of these people is whether it's mentally or even the way that they act, a lot of playfulness. Yeah. Because the pressure as you rise through is so stiff that if you don't, you're gonna break or your mind is gonna break under the pressure and the weight of it. And so when he pulled it out, I mean I I don't think I've given a guy a bigger high five slap and a hug ever than that when he told the story about what that one means to him and how he he uses it in specific ways but you you hit on such an important point which i try to hit on and i maybe if i rewrote it again i would hit on it a thousand times more is the key with this is playfulness because the great thing about it is every single person that's watching this or listening to this You've already done it. You did it when you were a child, when yeah. you played with the idea of you know being a nurse when you're playing with your siblings or you're your favorite sports star out on the front driveway or on the grass and and stuff. And again, what is that doing? It's unshackling you from what you think you can or cannot do, your own limitations. You're small, yeah. I'm not tall enough, I'm not fast enough yet, I'm not good enough, but I'm gonna be Lionel Messi or I'm gonna be Cristiano Ronaldo or I'm gonna be yeah. LeBron James or whatever. And now all of a sudden you get to step into a new side of yourself. Yes. And And so that's, the most important point of this entire thing is be playful. The moment you start taking yourself seriously, you have just been grabbed by your ego to hold you down. The alter ego pulls you out of the grip of the ego itself, the definition that you think you've placed on yourself of who you think you are. You don't even know who you are yet. I never try to define who Todd is. That's why the hardest page to write on your website is the About Me page or on your curriculum vitae or your resume is the resume. Because you're trying to winnow yourself down to just this, you know, few box of texts. So,
0: okay, so I just got to say, man, the be playful thing. So again, we're in the we're in sort of the, you know, just with uh, Tom Billier, right? So we're in the construct in the matrix right now, and we're building the alter ego for you. And the first rule is you gotta be playful, right? I think of the number of people that as they rise uh, to success, and and I can think of clients, I can think of. Uh, friend of mine who is going for a Nobel peace prize, who's a, who was an actor for most of his life. Um, if they don't remain playful, one of the signs that I see that makes me nervous is they get so stuck in the ego, trying to look good that, that it's almost like the, you know, we all need guardrails in life. So we don't like go completely bananas. Right. But their, their guardrails become so tight, Todd, that, that there's no more fun anymore. Like everything is just this looking good intensity feed my ego can't be wrong no growth mindset to- you know what i mean so Dude, that so- was me
1: that was me early on 100 percent. like i yeah. was so concerned and worried about what everyone else thought of me yeah. you know and um you know because i i know fundamentally how i was raised was you know you be you be kind to other people kindness and being nice are not the same thing i didn't have that distinction early on yeah. being nice is basically turning yourself into a, a welcome mat you know you you know, I'm not gonna say anything that's being nice. Or, you know, like your friends didn't show up for dinner. You know, I'm not gonna say anything because that's not nice or whatever. Kindness yeah. is like being firm about your values. Right. And being kind to someone else is when you do see potential or capabilities in another person, potential is actually a word that it's not, not allowed in my, in my world. Um, but when you see capabilities in other, pe- in other people is, is calling them on that and saying, yeah. you know, listen, I know you're better than that. That's being kind to someone that's truly being kind. So, but man, early on, that was me, my guardrails. That's such a good, that's such a good metaphor to use with people is you give yourself no room for failure before you fall into the gutter. Right. 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 And now, and now that the, the trash talk you give yourself is just brutal. So, and, and, and truly for me, it's so freeing once you get extremely comfortable with yourself, knowing that I'm going to make so many failures. But what's on the other side of those failures is I know I can always make them right. So to get the actual people to process with this. So a B playful. So first thing to do is pick a field to play for yourself, pick a role that, you know, you either might be really frustrated by right now that you're not really enjoying your performance, lack of performance in it. So what's that? Is it, and what's funny from the book, the most common one, there's actually two really um, is parenting. And the second one is how they view themselves as, um, as an athlete. It's actually a word I never thought they would actually say to me, um, but some of the most phenomenal transformations that we've had. I had two ladies come up to me at an event in Toronto, Canada, that had both lost, one had lost 32 pounds in three months, and the other one had lost 66 pounds in four months. And they said, I created an alter ego that loved working out. Both of them had never worked out in the day in their life. That's Never beautiful. had worked out That's beautiful. And she, from a standing start to three yeah. months later, lost all this weight transformed yeah. one lady. She's actually a professional speaker transformed her entire speaking career because she sure. said, Todd, I was able to be me on stage. Now I was comfortable right. in my own skin. I wasn't comfortable, but they created, they cut and, and again, I didn't really prescribe this in the book, but they created athletes, at the athlete identity. So the athlete yes. in them loved going working up, loved waking up in the morning and doing 6 a.m. things. So what's that field to play for you? What's that role? That's yeah. number one. Because again, multiple self-theory. You know, we have many sides of ourselves. Don't have one identity trying to govern all of your life. That's a trap.
0: And and don't list out 17 different categories of your life right now and, and create, you know, each one of those. And like, slow down do it with one or two, right?
1: 100%. Yeah. And, and, and they typically fall into two categories. One, where you want to have more fun with. Yes. Okay. Number two, one that you're avoiding and you won't admit to yourself is the one that you need to go after yeah. because there's too much perceived struggle and pain in it. That could be the one where the version of you on the other side is someone that you are going to be
0: extremely grateful to meet. So feel the play, right? Pick the feel to the play. And now it's, it's just
1: simply, we're not going to go into all of the different demons that someone has, but just what are some of the things that are frustrating you about the way that you're showing up right now? Yeah. Or the way that you're not showing up. You know, I'm too timid. Like if I go back to me, when I first started my business, I was insecure. I lacked confidence and I was not um, decisive by any stretch of the imagination um, I was waffling, dispersing energy in a million different directions, wasn't staying focused. Um, and so then the flip of that. So if you just put down three adjectives, three verbs yeah. of the way that you're showing up, just something simple like that. Um, or you could write down a whole bunch and then circle the ones that you think are the most relevant. And in the book, I have an exercise for that. Now, what's the flip of that? What do, how do you want to be showing up? Right. Or- Another way of asking it, and this is where the alter ego starts to be born inside, is who is someone or what is something? Because it's not just people. It's animals as well or inanimate objects. Jerome the bus, Bettis, Right. Right? That was his alter ego. Truly, when you unpacked it with him, he wanted to carry the team on his back. He loved that sense of responsibility. Okay, Um, So – what already represents the qualities that you would like to be, you know, showing up with on that field. So for an example, um, I, when I was going through this as being a new dad, now I've got a seven year old, a six year old, she's Sophie's six on in, in a couple days. Um, and then Charlie is, is three. And I was like, well, I love my dad's sense of character. Like he just, he's one of those people who just, he never talked about, how to lead life he showed you in his actions okay and then um because i'm a challenger in my business and again we flex that muscle all day long it's so easy for us to that to just stay in that identity right you had talked about it before like the tom ferry on stage has to be the same guy across all these different fields yeah um and again that's the trap but again it's natural when you flex a muscle all day long of course it's going to be built up inside of the context of your own mind and so if i need to unchain Challenger Todd, leave him at the desk or leave him on the field. When I go home, I want to be way more like Mr. Rogers around my kids. I want to be fun, playful, patient, kind, you know, soft-spoken with them. And now does some of the- Get
0: on the ground with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. And
1: so that's the model in my own mind. Now, am I trying to be a second-rate Mr. Rogers? Of course not, because I'm going to still bring my Toddness to it. But man, it creates this great anchor for me of how to show up, especially when times are tough and it gets you to just one of the simple questions is how would Mr. Rogers handle this? How would my dad handle this if I'm lost in my own thoughts kind of thing? Right. And we do that. So again, this is bringing the power of the tribe between the six inches of your own ears. Um, And, and so, you know, you can either ask, you know, do the flip of the, What are the adjectives that you didn't like? What are the flip of those? Or who is it that somebody you already admire or what that you already admire? And then what is it about them that you admire? So that's how I backed myself into how I wanted to show up, right? Yeah. Um, And now this is, you'd mentioned this before. Now we get into the creation phase of this, which is really fun. Um, People forget the power of uniform people forget the power even in their own life of some of the little artifacts that they have around them. You know, when a friend loses a pen to you, it's a pen to them. It was the pen that their grandmother gave them. And it was the last time that she saw them, even though it was a crappy little blue Bic pen that can be bought for 18 cents at the dollar store. Right. It doesn't matter. It was from my grandma. There was meaning attached to it. And this is where, you know, in the whole construct of this, be playful, never forget. We are storytelling beings for your idea to get out onto the field of play of action. So the mental to get out onto the field of play of the physical, it has to walk across the bridge of emotion. And so how much, and so how we activate this other self within this other, you know, inspired by the alter ego is dependent upon your emotional engagement and attachment to it. I, that's why I can't, it would be great if I could say, here's the five alter egos to have Grab them off the shelf, implement. No, it's dependent upon your own experience, who you like, who you're drawn to, what you're drawn to. And so this is where be playful because oftentimes the very first source of inspiration, isn't the one that you're going to stay with for the journey for yourself. Um, So have fun with it. And the most common category, ironically, out of all the categories that are there is grandmothers. And why is that? Because grandmothers already hold a space in some people's, not everyone's head. Not everyone has the greatest grandmother, but um, or grandfather, whatever, but has already holds an emotional space in your head. And this is the key with it all. This is why the book's called the alter ego effect, which was what is the effect that an alter ego has? And while everyone says just be the real you. Be the authentic you. Wonderful ideas. How the hell do I make it happen, Tom? Yeah. I'm giving you the process of how you do it. That's the effect. The version of you becomes the real you. The alter ego is just simply the carrier device to allow you to get out there. Now, that's the effect. But in the book, there's the method, how we actually make that happen. And so um, that that method process and and you – engaging with the story side of your alter ego is so critically important and grandmothers help to, it seems, seems to be the easiest category to go, Oh, you know what? And, or sorry, what I was going to say was in the method itself, the thing that makes this method specifically work just that much stronger is when you are stepping into and you're donning the cloak, you're putting on Dumbledore's, you're putting Dumbledore's, you know, wand into your jacket. You're not just putting it in. No, you're creating a ritual around it. People talk about habits and routines. Yes, that's like the foundational layer of just building upon success. That's like rote. Yeah. But rituals is what we do with elite people because rituals is the merging of story and meaning with the thing that you're doing. And the elite do rituals way more than anyone else. There's a meaning and a story behind what it means when I put this Dumbledore's thing inside, or for me, you know, when I put these glasses on. You know, there is a transformation that's happening that's intentional from within. I'm not doing it to impress Tom. I'm not doing it to impress anyone else. It's because I'm deciding how I wanna show up on this field of play. It's Incredible Hulk's equivalent ground punch to the ground saying, no, I'm showing up the way that I wanna show up. I don't care what mom and dad said I needed to be or that bully that's, you know, or whatever that abuse happened to me. I'm unshackling from that in this moment. And I am deciding how I wanna be in this moment or in this role or whatever. And it's again, you're owning the power of this. And this has been the theme of this entire conversation, right? Right. Whether it's VUCA right. and calm, like you yeah. can own this stuff. Yeah. So that- so I want to
0: just I wanna just throw this out at the listener, right? So so many people I know have now read this book and and have found, you know, multiple alter egos, whether it is, hey, you know, my relationship has not been as great. Oh God, I'm actually acting like my mother, my father. They bicker all the time like they just walk in and attack each other and then you like wait a minute like what if i took on the most romantic person on the who's the most compassionate individual i know well how do they talk what kind of questions do they ask how do they operate and and look the first time you do it you know like like if you put on a superman cape you know in the next 30 minutes and you got on the phone and you were like i'm i'm wonder woman you know i'm superman like it'll be funny but by doing it over and over and over and over and over and that sort of conscious awareness, right, Todd, of like, I'm running my routine because it's the effect, right, that I want to get to. It's the impact I want to make. Then it becomes you, right? It takes time, right? Like, who is it, uh, Cary Grant, or you told the story of a very famous actor, and I was it Cary Grant?
1: Cary Grant, yep. Yeah. Tell that story. Well, Cary Grant, um, so grew up in Bristol, England, Known widely as like the most debonair charismatic guy in Hollywood in the golden kind of era of the 1940s and fifties and sixties. Right. And, uh, but grew up single mom, poor kind of slummy part of Bristol, but he had this aspiration within of getting to America and making it in Hollywood. So he did Changed his name too. Um, and that's why the name thing is important. I called it Geronimo. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that's a, disassociation that can happen but uh you know battled battled mental health battled really depression and and stuff uh, throughout a lot of his years but at the end of his career when he was being interviewed by um basically a hollywood reporter about his success he kind of paused for a second and he said um i became the person i wanted to be or he became me but at some point we met and he said i pretended to be somebody i wanted to be or he became me, but at some point we met. And the only thing I would change about that, because again, he's, he's using the language of Hollywood with pretend, right? Because they go and they play yeah. pretend, is um, the, word that, the word choice that I like is, I activated the person I wanted to be. Thank you know, God. I did that with myself. And I think this is a helpful thing. You had said before, you know, okay, this book's been out for a year and a half. What are some of the lessons now? Like yeah, now that's like been the on the field what's of play.
0: the 2.0, Yeah,
1: yeah. And, um, and I never shared this in the book because again, it's just been like 18 years of, you know, being around this idea and, and really training and teaching on it. There's so many things I've forgotten more than I could put into a book. Um, and, uh, and I'd said to someone just, well, when I created super Richard, which was the business version of myself, cause Richard's actually my first name. Um, I've always gone by Todd and, and I bought those pair of non-prescription fake glasses at Lens Crafters in West Edmonton Mall, where I was living at the time before I started working internationally and stuff. Um, and Richard was a composite of Joseph Campbell, Benjamin Franklin, and the 1970s and 80s version of Superman, right? Um, and those three coming together, I, was, I wanted qualities from each of them. And when I put on those glasses, these glasses inhabit all three of those people. And I am not allowed to put those glasses on and dishonor their memory and the way that they would show up in life um, if i like by by wearing these glasses that's it's an insult that's how i think of it because i have such reverence for them um, but super richard todd was not making the calls here i am i was very good at working with young amateur athletes on the mental game i was good and It wasn't that I was really good because I had amazing knowledge. It's because I cared more than other people. And that's where you can win in life over some people who've got, you know, 20 years of advanced experience than you is you can out care them in the beginning. So I out cared everybody else when it came to, and I was only 21, 22, 23 at the time. I out cared everybody. And to this day, that's actually number one value. We out care everybody Everybody is in all caps. You cannot, you can try and c- compete with me on a whole bunch of other categories, but you will not outcare me. It's impossible for you to even try. You will die on that hill because it is too high for you to climb, right? It's like what Will Smith says, I will die on the treadmill, okay? And and so, and that's born out of some of the hell that I went through as a kid, okay? Sure, Okay. the fire. So, Todd, Todd was so good at the delivery side of his business, but he would not pick up the phone to book the workshops, to make the calls or anything too scared of rejection. Super Richard. This is, this is the key. This was the big learning in the last year and a half of saying it. Super Richard became the advocate for Todd and I almost get choked up saying it because I can go back to that moment. Yeah. But super Richard became Todd's ag advocate. He went on that call. And he loved Todd so much that he was going to make as many phone calls as he needed to make to book the workshops, book the speeches. Cause that was my method like yours was of getting my training business out there in front of people, never worried about rejection, never worried about resistance, just did the calls. And so he went from being indecisive, not articulate and lacked confidence or insecure to confident, articulate, and decisive. And and that's the way that I showed up. And then six months later, I told a story on, on your show too before, but it's relevant to this particular conversation. I just booked two big workshops for myself, hung up the phone. This is when you actually hung up the phone back in the day, ding. Um, and my glasses were sitting on the desk. I had that exact same experience that Cary Grant talked about is I became the person that I wanted to be, right? And then, and that's where another kind of shockwave came through me. I'm like, wait a second. This is how I can constantly reinvent myself over and, over and over and over and over and over again. So I can take you, I can, I can tell you, I was 24 years old. I can take you to the exact freaking type of Ikea desk that I was sitting at. I'm um, uh, a light beach colored one that you used to buy. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: um, that was 99 bucks at Ikea. And that's where the big epiphany came from me. And that's what I've done for the rest of my life is that.
0: I think everybody listening, there's there so many little just like uh, subtle great points in there. Like, you know, what if you what if your name is Maria and you had Wonder Woman as an advocate who loved you, who would make phone calls on your behalf? And you stepped into that role. Right. Just as just a simple, great sort of visual example. Um, and then, yeah, like the other thing that's going through my head, Todd, is uh, I constantly will say to people, man, that's like the Chuck Berry syndrome. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, Chuck Berry had this one identity on stage, and he did it for like 65 years. The the problem is you don't evolve. You don't, you don't, you like the reason why I'm such a huge fan of David Bowie, right? Is Bowie just kept creating new alter egos along the okay, uh, folky, long hair, hippie bowie isn't working out, Ziggy Stardust, right? Aladdin insane, the thin white duke. Like he just kept Madonna talked about, you know. Hey, I modeled what Bowie was doing, right? Um, I mean, like that kind of thinking for us, as you're listening to this, like it, it basically means, hey, you're awesome where you are. You're just too good to stay there. What is the next evolution of you? And then what is that alter ego? What is that model like we talk about all the time? Like, who are you modeling? Who are your role models? What are you taking from them? It's the alter ego. It's the same thing.
1: So, dude, so that's what, a quotable right there. What you just said, you're awesome the way you're, would you say you're, you're awesome the way you are?
0: Yes. You're just too good to stay there.
1: You're just too good to stay there.
0: Yeah. So, uh, like at whole, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go up to the clouds and say, that's Bill Mitchell. My mentor passed away a couple of years ago. He would say to me at like, at like 25, when I was like, I got a house in the beach, I got a house in the desert. Like I'm as good as I could be. I didn't say that, but you know, you're like, I'm, I'm the king of the world. And he's like, he's like, partner, like you're really good where you are. You're just way too good to stay there. Keep stretching, man. Keep growing. Keep getting better.
1: Great job at hitting milestone one.
0: For, exactly you're at you're at first base brother yeah <laughs> you know, let's like, see more milestones going.
1: you can get to yeah yeah and th- and by the way this isn't to like get people caught up in because one of the really kind of toxic things that even i've had to deal with is the striving personality the yeah. striving person yeah, um where that. where you're never you're never content not about yeah. being content but but you're never like grateful or thankful for where yeah. you are. And um, you know, it's it's funny because a very good friend of mine, um, who's just a super smart wealth guy. Um, I should actually connect you with he'd be a really good Garrett Gunderson. Um great speaker. He's actually started a stand up career for himself too. Um we were both uh on this panel speaking on the weekend, virtual event, and uh and he said something that was like that struck a chord with the 70 really high achieving people that were on the call, all entrepreneurs, uh, where he said in my entire years of, uh, helping people with building wealth for themselves and money psychology is it all comes down to one thing, love. Yeah. And, I, and, yeah. and just the way that he started to unpack what that meant is listen, like if you fundamentally don't love yourself, then the striving is going to eat you alive. And I mean, that's why, you know, my, my company is about peak performance. Peak performance is not only do you get to hit those milestones, but you're really enjoying the process along the way. And, and a lot of that has to come down to the psychological meaning that you're putting on the struggle and the challenges that are there. Like that's why for me, the big shift, that's why I say it over and over again is like, no, is that all you've got? Like, uh, my most viral Instagram post I've ever had was when I talked about morning routines. And I said, when I wake up in the morning, everyone else talks about, you know, I drink a glass of water, brush my teeth, 20 minutes of meditation or whatever it might be for them. Right. And I'm like, I don't care about any of that stuff. What I care about is once I'm consciously aware that I'm going to be awake now is the first, the very first thought in my head. And it's not even a thought it's a sound and it's a voice and it says, come and get me fear cannot hit a moving target yeah you can't and then my feet hit the floor it's 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 just it i gotta put that ground punch between the six inches of my ears because if i don't then i can easily let the messaging from the outside world come in and i could easily fall prey to the conspiracy theories that might be out there or whatever but it's 100 percent owning that psychology
0: come and get me man you need a t-shirt that says come and get me
1: oh I've got one. I've got hats coming too.
0: Okay. You got to send me one of those. Okay. So, so man, we've covered a lot of ground and as always, you know, I could do this for hours. I know both of our schedules uh, don't allow that. I want to talk about the 90 day. Why don't
1: all of it? Why don't our schedules allow for us to have like, you know, fun, amazing conversations where hopefully we're providing some value for other people, uh, you know?
0: Well, look, I book. I booked 90 minutes and I think to myself, I could go three hours, but I've got this. So Today, it's the same thing, right? Everyone listening knows. Like, you you know the average person listening to this, listened to it and then paused it, went into an appointment, then came back to it, then made four phone calls and then listened to it. I mean, that's how I listen to all my podcasts. Like, I wish I could sit and listen for three hours at, at once and absorb it all. That's just, that's not life. But that also brings up the point I want to drive home. And what I want you to talk about is the 90 day, the 90 day year, like the 90, like Doing a year's worth of productivity in 90 days. Everybody listen to that, right? And, and why that matters so much to our industry, Todd, and so many industries that people listening, but specifically my, my friends are in the real estate side, right? They basically in a typical year would have the spring market, right? So we're January, February, March, we're building up for the spring market. Homes start coming on the market in March and April and May and sales just, you know, skyrocket. Well, what happened this last spring? Uh, the first two weeks of March were okay. And then we went 85% down on transactions, on showing all the leading and lagging indicators of a healthy real estate economy. Boom. Now my mortgage friends, they had the opposite interest rates dropped and they've never, they've never stopped. Right. So the title people that are associated with that, like they're doing okay. But now here we are. And I'm saying to my clients, look, time is of essence. You're essentially trying to do six months worth of buyers and sellers and transactions and deals. And you're doing it like two and a half months or really 90 days. And then we start the race of the fourth quarter. So I thought maybe just high level, what are some, like, what is the purpose of this 90 day in a year? And then high level, what can we take away from it in an already packed podcast?
1: Sure. So, um, the, uh, the birthing of the whole idea for the 90 year happened when I was working with a baseball player and you know, there's long seasons in some sports. Okay. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times you're going to see this performance dip happen. Sometimes it's at the two month mark, or but there's always some sort of performance dip that's happening. And so I just said to him in a pattern I'm like, Hey, let's break your season up into uh, two seasons, you know, and it worked out to about 90 days each. Yeah. And, um, and in the beginning, this is back in the Um, late 90s, early 2000s, it was called the 90 day sprint. And this is before the idea of sprints became really big by um, uh, Kevin Sutherland and scrum. So, and even him, he brought that out of the world of sports. So 90 day sprints. And then when I started working in more corporate and business environments, this one executive at Chevron said, you know, we don't really work in sprints. That's kind of a foreign language, but we have a calendar. So what if you call it, he's the one who gave me the name for the 90 day year. And it was brilliant. But the purpose behind this as well is, so lots of studies have been done on uh, human beings and the length of a project and a goal. Anything that goes beyond 90 days, the Stanford Neuroscience Research Lab or Behavioral Science Lab, uh, University of Waterloo up in Canada have all done studies and many, more, many other organizations. Any project that goes beyond 90 days, any goal that goes beyond 90 days, um, increases the likelihood of procrastination and avoidant behavior, okay? Because it's too far beyond the sort of imaginational horizon line in people's heads. There's no proximity. Even that's a mental model, the zone of proximity. You know, things become more relevant when they're proximate to us, when they're close to us. So it just, I I did it in a way to solve a client's problem. And then what I do is I go, why is this working so well? Because I started doing it with other people. And, you know, the research just sort of started to validate it. Now, I'd said before how there's a lot of people who say things like, you know, you got to be more disciplined. Now, What I know is that discipline is like the ultimate golden key to unlock someone's performance, to unlock just whatever's there. Discipline is so important. And I'm like, okay, great. So I tell it to someone, but then how do I get them to execute it? And so nested inside of all of our sort of training programming is um, the because I'm still training people on mental toughness stuff, but 90 day year allows people to develop two really core things. Discipline, because one of the core things in a 90 day year is you've got to have just one goal. There's only one goal allowed inside Mm -hmm. of your organization. Now, the moment is you've got one, so if you've got a larger organization, you've got one organizational goal. And then this is actually how you do it. If you've got anything where you've got or any teams that have more than three people, your marketing department, your ops team, your tech team, or or whatever, now they have their 90-day year goal. And this is how you create alignment. Once the organizational goal is set, how does your marketing team's goal align to that? Because we all know that alignment is how you truly start to optimize for performance. You don't get wasted energy. And I mean, those of us who've got, you know, organizations, we all concern ourselves with, you know, how well is the team actually performing? How much waste is there in our day with too many meetings, just meetings where nothing is happening or projects that aren't going anywhere? So it's that idea of how disciplined can you be at having one goal? And most people who are entrepreneurial in nature or athletic in nature, athletes and entrepreneurs very, very much same, uh, share the same psychology. They have a tough time with having one goal. Right. And that's how I-
0: discipline on one thing
1: one thing, one goal. And, uh, and then you might have multiple ways to get there. Cause then the next stack of it is, well, what projects are you choosing to do to hit that one goal? Now that's where you're getting an inordinate amount of performance from your organization. Cause a lot of times people have projects that are going off in multiple different directions, but they're not solving for the big issues and needs of their business right now. They're solving tomorrow goals, not yeah. today goals, not today needs. Um, and
0: okay, hold on. That's a super important distinction for all my friends out there that, uh, for whatever reason, you sometimes mute out when I say make your calls, make your call because make your calls is today, reaching out to a past client, following up on a lead, booking an appointment, right? Versus the well, what's the marketing plan that I could incorporate tomorrow that would guarantee me future listings forever? Like, that's what you're talking about. And, and it doesn't mean we don't do both, but if you don't do the first one and solve immediacy, like I need a client tomorrow, I need a customer today, I need an appointment now to get a signed contract, you know, quickly. If you don't do that, everything else is a waste. Am I hearing that the right way?
1: Yeah, that's, 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 that's definitely one way of, yes. of, or that's the, that's, that's a way of looking at it. Like, but it's also, um, Recognize what field of play that you're on. I I keep on bringing, coming back to people. So most people are playing a game that's not built for their field right now. You're playing the game of someone who's at a different level than you. No, no, no. Take care of your level's game so that you can rise to the next level, right? Like people are kicking the soccer ball around based on what they're seeing on that field over there. And yet the nets on your field are over on the other side, right? You know, and and this is again developing the dis- discipline of knowing how to be self-aware and focusing on the self. Because again, it's really hard for me to teach peak performance strategies when I've got people who are constantly focused on outcomes, concerns, and worries of other people, what the fans are saying and thinking, what the coach is thinking of the last shot that they just took or whatever. No, no, no. Focus on you, and when you do that, you're a really, really hard person to beat. You're just, you're really hard to beat. It's hard to trash talk with you on the field because it doesn't matter. Like for as much as I'm an extrovert, you're an extrovert. When I'm playing sport, I don't say much at all, especially competitive sport. Um, I love being the silent killer out onto the field. Like you can say whatever you want. The only piece of trash talk that I had when I played football was when I lined up across from you. I did this in every single game I played in. I was like, oh, those are interesting shoes.
0: Hmm. <laughs> A little doubt drop. Okay, just for the record, I'm the exact opposite. If we ever play pickleball sometime, I trash talk the entire time. Ping pong, pickleball, tennis. I mean, like it doesn't even matter. Like what cards working on the puzzle with my mother-in-law, I trash talk my 93-year-old mother-in-law while we play puzzle together like i just i'm like hey i put five i put five pieces in you've only put one like what's what's going on like right yeah
1: what She's does like, this say up, what, what does this say about the larger you like have you played <laughs> small at life your entire life? <laughs> that's exactly oh. how you want to talk to your grandma <laughs> right
0: yeah no, no no it's my mother-in-law i love her dearly like lola if you're listening right now you know i love you um so if discipline is you said there's basically two keys to the night a uh in a year right? Discipline and focus, right? So, so what's one thing beyond setting that one goal, like for the next 90 days, like here's the outcome we're trying to get to making this up a hundred thousand dollars in gross commission income in the next 90 days, right? Like everybody, uh, everybody on the line can relate to that. Or I want to go on a, a hundred appointments in the next 90 days and whatever the result is, the result is, and everyone knows the results would be
1: bananas. Even that, even the hundred appointments in a hundred days, that that is too controllable on your side. Your, your outcome goal needs to have elements of uncontrollability into it. Cause that was, so it makes it an outcome goal. You don't have control yeah. over it. Okay. Yeah. So the outcome goal is, so if you said that to me, you want to have going hundred appointments, in hundred days, yeah. that's so that you, what you yeah. earn, yes. you know, $200,000 in commissions. Okay. So that becomes the goal. Got it. Now it's you Causing get down it. to the, yeah and I keep on using my hands on the video, but yeah. if you think of like a pyramid at the very top is the outcome goal. And then there's a line that separates it from the category below it, which is what we call performance targets or performance goals. And those are, what are the things that you're going to improve performance goals are improvement goals, yes. improvement targets. They're essentially the strategy and the projects that you're putting in yeah. place. Yeah. So I'm going to improve going on, you know, right now I'm going on three appointments every hundred days. I'm going to go to hundred appointments. And yeah. uh, that's where that goes. And then in the very bottom part, is the complete controllable section which is the process that's it answers four questions who is doing what when are they doing it and where is it happening every single process has those four things who is doing what when is it happening and where so i'm communicating with my team
0: i'm adding one and what will you measure right?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, How even in actually? the act of doing that creates yeah. basically the measurement. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's basically it. So you said, what's one more thing? Well, the most, a really big part of this whole process and why it works so well is we use a diagnostic approach to helping people to decide because most people have problems with, well, what should I actually be working? What's my number one focus? So we have this kind of diagnostic for business owners or entrepreneurs to help them go through and diagnose in the five main pillars of business, marketing and sales product ops and tech, finance and people in leadership and you fill out ask all these answer all these questions and sort of bubbles up to the surface is the most relevant things that like the kind of whether it's the bleeding neck in the business or just the most relevant thing that you should be focusing on based on the field that you're on but beyond that um because i can't go through all the diagnostic with people right now um the one key thing so we have a toolbox of stuff Mm -hmm. for you to help implement and stay disciplined and stay focused out of all of the things that i've seen people implement from our program is something that i call the activity scorecard now i've i come from sport and you love sport yeah what do we love about sport there's a scoreboard you know how you're doing you can measure performance very quickly
0: how much time do i have left what do i have to do to win i see it all
1: yeah now in business There's so much ambiguity. There's so many ways that you can go after the ball kind of thing. Right. And that's where people don't do a good job of designing their field and stating it and owning it and putting the goalposts in for themselves. A lot of people are playing other people's games, play your game. So this activity scorecard is if you write this down and do this for two weeks straight, it's going to transform your life. Now I've never shared this publicly with people, but you're my boy. So you're going to have four columns, $10, $100, $1,000, and $10,000 activities, all right? Now, you're going to draw a line between each of those numbers. So 10, you got now you got four columns. What I want you to do over the course of two weeks is at the end of every single day, take a look at all the activities that you did, and I want you to put them in the categories. $10 activities, here's how you classify them. Can you pay someone else 10 bucks an hour to go do that? Administrative stuff, operational things, sometimes financial things are oftentimes go there. And this is the busy work that you get frustrated with. You're really like, why are you doing that? Yeah. You're not getting on. The f- $100 activities are more highly skilled activities. Graphic design work, legal work can fall in there. Um, even some marketing work can start falling in here. If you notice, if you put a hard line, if you kind of make the yeah. line between hundred and thousand, a little bit thicker, Tom, you'll see that the, the, the left side of 10, and hundred is sort of like what we call like the red side of the ledger. Yeah. A lot of times it's the operational administrative side of the business. And then on this side, this is like the growing side. Sales happens over here. Strategic development, the SOPs and the marketing campaigns get developed on this side, bigger thinking stuff. Okay. So, Now in thousand dollar activities, that's a lot of times your sales stuff, the calls that you're making, right? And then $10,000 is like for maybe you and I strategic alliances, strategic partnerships, speaking on a stage. I know that if I go on stage, that's a $10,000 per hour activity. You know, it's going to definitely earn me more than that. But that's the category, me developing a joint venture relationship or, you know, you, you know, putting money into and evaluating a possible business deal where you're investing in, um, you know, crystal nose kind of thing. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. For all my friends listening. Yeah. They know $10,000 is being on an appointment with a qualified buyer seller, right? The thousand dollar stuff is like follow-up, making phone calls. It could be creating content for them because the content, you know, extends their brand. The hundred, the 110 gets challenging for them.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, getting, getting challenging them for them. How?
0: Because it's, it's what, it, you, could, you could almost go 10,000, 10,000. You could almost cross out the hundred, you know what I mean? For a lot of people listening.
1: And for your, and for your professional marketplace, yes. that's probably completely relevant then, yeah. right? Yeah. In the entrepreneurial space, if you're running a business, that, those four categories sort of hold water really well. I've done it all across so many, yeah. but you're exactly right. For a professional person like real estate agent, exactly, exactly right. But yeah. that's what I'll say. Just do that. Because the most common experience that people make is it's like, I can't hide now because you've just closed what I call a feedback loop or what other people call a feedback loop too, you close the feedback loop of you before you didn't put the white hot light of performance spotlight on your activities. And this is what it does. So when I started working with more, professionals, entrepreneurs, executives, I was like, listen, like sports makes so much sense to me, but working with you guys is like, I just yeah. feel like you guys are hiding. Like you're on the sideline somewhere. You, like where are you on the field? And that's where I was like, okay, let's start scoring people's activities because our field of play is where? The calendar. Right. So every, if I'm, when I'm working with people and mentoring people privately, like if I was working with you privately, here's what you would send me. Your link to your Google calendar. And now I have it on my calendar and I'm going to, you know, because you can share calendars with people. And then when I want to go check in on what Tom's week looks like, I just turn that on, turn mine off and I see what your week is. And immediately it shows me where you're valuing your time. Right. And it's also going to predict for me where you're going to have growth and you're going to have challenges in the future. Because if I don't see, if you're running, if you say you're the CEO of a business, but I don't see any team meetings or executive leadership meetings yep. in the next two weeks, that shows me that you don't value the people side of your business very much right now. Yeah. Right. This is um, neat. so it becomes a very, very easy diagnostic way of working with people. Yeah. Um,
0: so I, okay. I'm, I'm not trying to be rude, but I love this. Like I, I can go back to one of my early mentors who said, if I followed you around, right. Or I hired a private investigator to follow you around and document everything you did in 15 minute increments and then put a dollar association to that time, what would I learn about your business in the next two weeks? And it was just just this, this visual of having this person like hiding around the corner as I was like, you know, fuddling with things on my desk and you know, like scrolling through Instagram versus doing what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Like, like the fear of it got me to say, I mean, I just got to like put it in my schedule, make sure it matters, put high value stuff inside there, leave some white space to think and to breathe and to take breaks and have flexibility, but man, high output stuff only, right? So like, I love this. Everyone listening, please do this assignment.
1: What you just gave an example of that's, you just explained an alter ego. Yeah, someone else following uh-huh. you around yep. watching you. And you know, that's how I view Mr. Rogers. He's standing there. He's yep. watching me how I'm with his kids. And I've got this little bracelet on that says it honors Mr. Rogers and my dad. Yep. And would he want me to be wearing that if, that if that's what that meant? And if it doesn't, I got to take it off. I got to yeah. coach myself in that moment. So yeah, that's great.
0: Okay, totally random how uh how's the book sales going with the uh the children's book i i freaking love we are
1: selling that thing in bulk to organizations um you know the biggest need right now in sort of the professional world private personal world has been definitely like mental toughness like i was saying to you maybe before maybe it was actually on here i said just i've never experienced more outreach um we're sort of good well positioned to to work with people um Mm -hmm. right now based on our experience but yeah, the, the children's book, the amount of um, adults that buy it and love it, but yes. bulk orders from big organizations has been fun to watch. Pepsi bought like 25,000 or 20,000 copies or something like that from us. And so it's been, it's been awesome.
0: I, I forget who I was interviewing. I got uh, Brenda and Tristan here inside the room with me. And we were talking about like, there's just so many people that are just weak right now. And a lot of that is just parents don't know how to instill mental toughness into their children. So when I saw this book, I was like, damn, cause I got a 19 and 21 year old. I'm like, this would have been really handy when they were two and four. Like, you know, time will, time will tell if, uh, if my parenting strategies worked out so far, so good. But I, I just recommend for everybody out there listening, uh, check out the, my super me book. It's the children's book. I'm sure you can find it on Todd's website or on Amazon. And if you haven't, if you haven't done the alter ego, um, it is so worth it just to go through and like having gone through it twice, you know, the first time you read a book, you're like. Yeah, that's really cool. Like, right, you you hear some neat stuff and you kind of like, for me, I write in a lot of the books. Like that's when it's super meaningful for me. And my first copy, which I never got you to sign, I should have, uh, it's got a bunch of those notes in it. But then when you go back through it the second time, we're in a different place, right? You're at a different level. Like, like reading this uh, before COVID had a totally different impact than doing any of your work during COVID, right? Like how important was the alter ego in the midst of a pandemic When, you know, around, like for me personally, watching companies that the CEOs didn't know what to do, the companies were falling apart. And I'm like telling my team, we're going to be better through all of this safety first. Like I'm actually going right into my alter ego at the moment, like safety first, right? Control. We can't control move the business forward powerfully. Like that was all alter ego. I've never been through this before. Right. But I could take all of the men and women that I've modeled my entire life around and said, how would they do at this moment? Yeah. Right. So I just, I just am saying, if you've, if you've read it, read it again. And if you haven't get this book immediately, especially for these times, not just for you, for the people that you love. So Todd,
1: and, and you know what, even for me, yeah. even for me, like through, through the time, um, and, and I have a, i have a pretty healthy relationship with myself on the inside, Yeah. but even through want to So I'm, you know, I've been, beyond having the coronavirus and being one of the first people to get it. Yeah. Um, I was also, I got it because I had an Achilles rupture from taking my kids into an American Ninja warrior training, February the 15th. I, so I got the virus when I went into Mount Sinai hospital to get the uh, surgery done on my Achilles. So throughout this entire past six months, while I've been recovering from a coronavirus, because it, it's 50% damage to my lungs. My doctor yeah. said that your lungs look like someone who's been smoking for 25 to 30 years. Wow. That's created fatigue issues, lethargy, even brain fog as well. People don't talk about that very much in the media, but yeah. some of us who've had like really hard experiences Cause mine lasted for 28 days, but I've also been like limping around on a, you know, ruptured Achilles. Right. haven't right. been able to get a physiotherapy for it, but so what, so what Todd? Right. And, and so one of my inspirations for this part of the past five months experience was Kobe just yeah. constantly in my, like, be a champion. Yeah. Just be a champion, man. Yeah. Like, there's there's always a choice that you have today and you can be a champion as you deal with this like who cares no one cares that you've got a busted achilles todd yeah
0: him what the moment when he ruptured his achilles and then went back out and made the free throws i was like holy smokes like
1: you talk about a ground punch moment
0: yeah yeah (sighs) and here's the thing for the person listening right now you have that in you you have that in you we're just trying to tap into it we're trying to to encourage the greatness within you to say Hey, who would I be at that level? And, and baby steps. Let's just start modeling that person or, or the image of those two or three people together, right? To just really achieve what is your true potential, your true greatness. So Todd, as we wrap it up, man, we we're we down to the wire. I got like two minutes and then I have to go into my next scheduled meeting. But as always, brother, I just want to say to you, thank you, man, for the work, for just who you are, how you show up for people. I, I'm the interviewer and I have like, seven or eight pages of notes in front of me right so like i'm always playing that dual role i'm learning i'm listening i'm asking but i'm also taking notes like crazy um where where should they follow you can they reach out if they want to email you like what's what's the best way to reach todd herman
1: so todd herman.me is my sort of home base on the interwebs um and then you know i'm active on instagram and linkedin yep. or facebook yep. wherever you prefer to reach out i mean that's just the nature of the beast nowadays is i yeah. have to follow or the team does at least um yeah. wherever people reach out but yeah absolutely ping me um and happy to you know help in whatever way we can love it man
0: so as we wrap it i just want to say again thank you brother and uh, i'll talk to you i'm sure over the next couple of weeks as i'm texting i get give you a little update on my book so For all my friends out there make sure you follow todd on all those different social channels check out the book and then hey let me know give me some feedback on this podcast whether you're you know on on any one of the podcasts itunes wherever you are Uh, give us a comment give us a like give us a share and then you know let me know what your alter ego is and then how did you activate it maybe post something on instagram and tag todd and i we would both love that all right thanks brother i appreciate you and appreciate your time we're out